Hi, everyone. Like Tom said, my name is John, and I have been the uh, director of student ministries here at Crossroads since about 2018. So I oversee the ministries for students in grades 6 through 12. And I've been coming to Crossroads since 2003, which for me seems like a very, very long time ago. A friend invited me to the youth group, and I just never really left. And I'm excited to talk to you about this part of the book of Acts, where Paul is heading to Jerusalem. We're going to read a little bit about his journey and adventure before he really gets to Jerusalem. So uh, we're going to read Acts chapter 21, verses 1 through 16. It's a long passage, but there's a lot in here. So please let's read the passage together. So after we tore ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and so straight to Kos. And the next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patra. And we found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia and went on board and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on into Syria and we landed at Tyre where our ship was to unload its cargo. We sought out the disciples and stayed with them seven days. Through the spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, including wives and children, accompanying us out of the city, and there on the beach we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued on our voyage to Tyre and traveled to, I'm going to say this right, Tatamonis, and were greeted by the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we read Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt and he tied his own hands and feet with it and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem would bind the owner of this belt and hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the other people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Almost done. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm not ready to be bound, but also die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, he gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home Mason, where we were to stay. He was a man from Cyprus, one of the early disciples. When we arrived at Jerusalem, Jerusalem the brothers and sisters received us warmly. So, we have a lot of stuff going on here. Paul's traveling to multiple cities. He's meeting a whole bunch of people. He's interacting with people. And this whole adventure really took 426 miles of voyage. And this took almost a month, 17 to 20 days about. This is a long period of time happening in these 16, 17 verses. So, before we get to our main idea, I think there's a couple of really key ideas that this passage talks about that I want to go over. And 
when you're reading the Bible, it's good to be reading and then ask yourself questions and try and wrestle with the text. And one of the questions I had when I was reading and prepping for um, today was, was the Holy Spirit and Paul contradicting each other? Like in verse 4, some people were telling Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. Later on, uh, Philip, the evangelist, one of the first leaders in the church, was telling them, hey, those who, the, the person that owns this belt is going to get tied up and beat up and arrested, and it's not going to be good for this person. So we have the Holy Spirit telling these people, hey, um, this is going to happen, happen to you when you go to Jerusalem. You shouldn't go to Jerusalem. But God's also telling Paul to go to Jerusalem. Remember, Paul has an offering to help support the true church in Jerusalem. So Paul is telling church, Paul is telling, um, let me restart that. God's telling Paul to go to Jerusalem, but God's also telling people to tell Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Like, what is happening here. There's, there's, there's a tension here in the text. And I think what's, what's going on here is that people are getting the interpretation and the application wrong. They are getting the, what is God telling me? And what am I going to do about it? Wrong and kind of mixed up. And we talk about that all the time across. I was like, what is God telling you? What are you going to do about it? And they got the interpretation right. When you're trying to figure out what God's telling you, you always want to figure out what God's telling you before you do something about it. And there are books upon books upon nerdy college courses you could take about interpretation and application. But the main thing that you need to do is you have to figure out what is God telling you? What does this text mean in the Bible first? And then figure out what are you going to do about it? And we see an example here, of someone getting the interpretation correct, but then they got the application wrong. Yes, Paul was going to go to Jerusalem, and it wasn't going to go so well for him. So then they concluded, oh, that means you shouldn't go. But that's not true. God wanted Paul there, and God knew bad things were going to happen to him, but he still wanted him to go. They got the interpretation right, but the application, not so much. Also, um, you can get the interpretation of something wrong, and that's just going to lead to like a really bad application. So an example of this, um, this has never happened in my life, promise. That let's just say if my wife, Rachel, if she's had a really hard, long week um, at work, uh, working from home with two little girls, uh, Allie, our one and a half year, we just started potty training. So there's lots of cleanup going on around the house. And it gets to be Friday night, Saturday night. And I say, babe, you've had a really long week. Let's go out to dinner. That's my sentence. Let's go out to dinner. She interprets that as me and you are going to get dressed up and go to a fancy restaurant. So what's her application? She's going to go in the bathroom, get the makeup on, do the hair that takes an hour to do, which I don't understand why it takes so long to curl hair, gets on a dress and heels. She comes downstairs. She's all excited. And there's me wearing jeans and one of my Batman shirts with the girls in their coats and ready to go outside in the car, and I go, oh, I meant we're all going to go to Chili's. 
and I love chilies, by the way. This is not a, this is, I'm not hating on chilies. But <laughs> there's an example right there. She got my statement of let's go out to dinner wrong. She interpreted that wrong, and it led to a misapplication. We have to know what is God telling us so we know exactly what we should do about it. And that is best done in a community. So my question to you right now, do you have a community of people to help you with what is God telling me and what am I going to do about it? Do you have that community here at Crossroads? Do you have a core group of friends who will help you, help you read the Bible, help you kind of figure out life and faith and those two so important questions of what is God telling me? And what am I going to do about it? And we're going to bring, come back to that point in just a little bit. But we also see that Paul had a core group of friends. And the end of the, sto- of the story here, it says that Paul's friends never abandoned him. They went with him to Jerusalem. Even though they knew bad things were going to happen to Paul, it was going to be a rough trip. Paul's friends never left him. Like, do you have those core friends, those core friends of Christians that are helping you love God and love others here at Crossroads? Ask yourself that question. And that leads to our big idea and our big theme of today, which is that they're trying to convince Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And after they can't convince him, they just say, let the Lord's will be done. Let the Lord's will be done. Let God's will be done. Which leads to the question, what is God's will? What is God's will? What is God's purpose for my life? Talk about books upon books that are this thick that you can read and spend the rest of your life trying to figure out. And depending on like where you read in the scriptures, like there are you know, many answers to this question. God's will for us. He wants us to pray constantly, always be joyful, rejoice in the Lord always. But I kind of want to get at the very kind of foundation of that question. And I think when I was prepping for uh, this, this message, uh, this verse in Deuteronomy, it's Deuteronomy 29.29, Deuteronomy 29.29, really easy to remember. It says this, the secret things belong to the Lord, the God, the Lord, our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. I'm giving you permission to be annoyed at the Bible. There's some Bible verses out there that really annoy me. Like there's one verse after Jesus comes back from the dead it says, oh, he explained the entire Old Testament to the disciples and their minds were open. And I'm just like, really? No one wrote that down. <laughs> no one wrote down that commentary about the Bible. There's another uh, section in First or Second Thessalonians, and it's hinted that Paul gave like a Christianity 101 seminar. And I'm like, really? No one took notes on that seminar for us to have in our Bibles. Like that, that just annoy- that annoys me. And this is one of those annoying verses because it talks about God's secret will. The first part of the verse says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. That part of the verse, that bothers me. I don't know about you. I want to know things. I like to know why things are going on. And this, this verse is saying that like, we can't know everything. Like we are not God. If we knew everything, we would be God, but we're not. 
I'm not sure why Tom Brady won another Super Bowl. I do not know why he needed another championship trophy. It could be little things like that, but it also could be big things like I don't know why COVID's still around. And I know last time um, I was up here and a few times, like, you know, I shared, you know, bad things that have happened in my life, you know, losing jobs, cars breaking down, getting evicted, miscarriages, all that stuff. Like, I don't know why those things happen. And if you're going through hardship right now because of the pandemic, because of family, because of friends, I don't know why those things are happening. God knows, and he, just, he hasn't let, it, let us know yet why those things happen. We, we might find out in heaven, but those things are to God. And it's so frustrating. I know we know we just want God to tell us everything. Why, why, why? Most of the Psalms are prayers of King David just crying out to God about our hardships. And it's okay to cry out to God. He's big enough for those things. But everything we need to know about life in God is in the Bible. God's not keeping anything from us that we need for life and godliness. And that's what the next part of that verse is. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. God let us know exactly everything we need are in the words of the law, which is just another word for Bible. Everything we need to know for this life is in the Bible, the entire Bible from beginning to end. So what does God want us to do? What is God's will? He wants us to love God and love others. So simple. And we say it all the time at Crossroads. But there's, there's, there's a problem with that because the Bible also communicates that we can't love God and love others. We, we just can't do it because of our sin, because of our imperfection, because we we're born sinful and naturally, naturally rebellious against God. That we try to do what God wants us to do and we always fall short. But we don't love God because we have to. We love God because he first loved us and he sent his son to save us and he sent his son to ransom us from our sin. That even though we were still sinners, Christ died to redeem us. Christ died to save us from our sins. And he, Jesus isn't conquered by sin and death and he rose again three days later, triumphing over sin and death. And he offers us life and life to the full. And it's through the spirit of God that we're, we are able to love God and love others because we can't do it without him. See, one of the purposes of God's law is to show us God's character. And here are just like some, some examples here. Like, the Ten Commandments, it says, like, don't have any other gods. Why? Well, because I'm God. <laughs> don't commit adultery. Why? Because God is perfectly faithful. Why shouldn't I steal? Because God's not a thief, because everything is his, because he's the creator. But the law also is a mirror to our face to show us that, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm messed up. I need help. Jesus, please help me. And that's one of the roles the Bible takes in. That is what God's will for you to be in a relationship 
with Jesus, to love him and to love others through his spirit because you have now have a relationship with him because you turned away from your sin and you put your faith and trust in Jesus. But let's get, let's get kind of practical now. Like, how do you love God? Like, how do you love others? And I want to talk about loving God by knowing God by knowing God. And the Bible talks about the word knowing in like two different ways. Paul talks about knowing God in a letter he wrote to the Ephesians church. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my, my Lord. See, Paul was an Old Testament Bible nerd. He knew a lot of the Bible, but when Jesus radically transformed his life, he finally connected the dots. He had the head knowledge. That's what that word knowledge there means, to know something with your intelligence. Paul finally realized, oh, we're all in sin under Adam, and Jesus is the last Adam to reverse what Adam did. Oh, just the way Moses led the Jews out of slavery. Jesus is a better Moses because he leads us, leads us out of sin into life. Oh, King David was an awesome king, but someone, the Bible said that someone's going to come after David who's going to be a great and a better king to David. Oh, that's Jesus. He connected the dots in his head. He had the head knowledge about God. Like God cares about our hearts, obviously, and we're going to talk about that too, but he cares about that we know him with, with our head. And this is communicated in the verse, this verse in Hosea. And, this, and I didn't realize this. Jesus quotes this verse a lot. In Hosea, it says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And again, that word knowledge, that means head knowledge of God. So I desire mercy, not sacrifice, knowledge rather than burnt offerings. You may be like, what is what is happening here? Well, in the Old Testament, back in the ancient Near East, how you worship God when you went to temple, aka like their church, you brought offerings. You brought burnt offerings, like animals to sacrifice and incense, like a bunch of weird stuff that like us in the West, like we don't really know a lot about. But that's how they worship. They brought sacrifices and offerings. And God in this part of the Old Testament is just saying, stop doing that. <laughs> basically saying, stop worshiping me. Why? Because you're just going through the motions because you don't even know me. You know nothing about me. I desire mercy. And other translations say, I desire love. I desire a relationship with you. I desire you to know me. Not just doing this worship stuff because you're going through the motion. God cares about how much we know him in our heads, but also in our hearts. But when it comes to our, our head knowledge, it really, it's a barely basic idea. Like you love what you know. You love what you know. Ask any third grade boy about Pokemon. He can list every single Pokemon, all 300 now because 150 wasn't good enough. But ask him what he learned in science class that day or in school. I don't know. <laughs> Why? He doesn't love what he's doing in school more than Pokemon. Ask, ask a kid about the Yankees or the Giants or about facts about Tom Brady. They can probably list everything. 
Ask them about something they don't love, they don't know anything. Because you love what you know. If you know, love your wife, your husband, your spouse, you know stuff about them, their favorite color, their favorite food, favorite music, what they like, what they don't like. Like you love what you know. And we have, a, we have a lot of new people, by the grace of God, coming to the crossroads, checking us out online. And they're new people, and they're new people coming to faith and checking out Jesus for the first time, which is awesome. We're so thankful for that. But as we start opening back up and meeting in person, when people finally physically come back to crossroads, there's going to be a lot of people who are new to the faith, and we have a lot of people at Crossroads who have been Christians for like a long time, 5, 10, 15 years. So for Christians like me, who have been walking with Jesus for a while, here's to kind of give you the kind of a test. If, if one of these new people from, that have been coming to Crossroads online, that have been checking out the faith and are new to the faith, if they came up to you and they said, hey, I heard you've been a Christian 5, 10, 15 years can we get coffee once a week? And can you help me like understand the Bible? Can we like zoom like on Saturday mornings? And can you help me understand the Bible? Like if that happened, like how would your heart rate be? How would your BP be? Would it skyrocket because you're nervous because you don't really know much about the Bible? Or would your BP and your heart rate skyrocket because you'd be excited because you would want to share what the Bible says, and you're helping someone else come to know Jesus. And that's for you to kind of discern right now. But as we all know, and as I have mentioned, head knowledge isn't enough. God wants not just our minds, but our hearts. It says that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but our hearts are a part of that. And Jesus knows that. There's, there's a story of Jesus interacting with someone um, in the Gospel of Mark. This guy came up to Jesus. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And notice that Jesus has given them a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There, are no, there is no commandment greater than these. Someone asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love God, love others. And the guy responds, well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Notice he quotes that Hosea passage right there. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared to answer. No one dared ask him any more questions. So the guy said, good job, Jesus. You got it right. Like God cares about us knowing him and about us loving him and loving others. He cares about us knowing him more than just going through the motions of worship. And Jesus says, great job. You're so close. <laughs> like he's like, he's like, you're there. You're, you're, you're missing something. What, what, was he, what, what was that guy missing? He, he said the right answer. He said the right answer. He knew what the textbook said. 
but he didn't have the answer in his heart. He wasn't in a relationship with Jesus. He wasn't following Jesus. And if we know Jesus, we would do what Jesus wants us to do. And that's the kind of knowledge that's talked about in Second Peter. The letter ends saying, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. And that's a different Greek word for knowledge there. And that, this is what that knowledge means. To truly know something, according to the New Testament, is to act upon that knowledge. The teacher must not only communicate knowledge, but also live out that knowledge as well. We need to love God with our mind, but also with our hearts, and obey what Jesus wants us to do with our lives. If we believe in Jesus with our heads, we also will with our hearts and follow what God wants us to do in his law, in this book. And what does God mainly want us to do? One of the main things he wants us to do? He wants us to love others. The most loving thing you can do is tell someone about Jesus, to help others love and know and grow in Jesus. Serving people is so important. Loving people is so important. But they, people need food, people need clothes, people need water. They also need Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is the answer to all the problems of this world. The world's broken by sin, and Jesus is the answer and the light. The most loving thing you can do is tell them about the good news of Jesus, that, they took, that Jesus took away their sin on the cross and that he offers them life and life to the full for anyone who comes to him in faith. That's what God wants from us, to love others. So my question is, to, to wrap up, so what is God's will? We talk about up, in and out a lot here at Crossroads. What's God's will? Up for you to know him, to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, to know him. In, for you to become like him. Are you connected with a group of people at Crossers that are helping you figure out what is God telling you and what are you going to do about it? Helping you understand the Bible. Like, do you have that here at Crossroads? And for out, for you to make Jesus known. That's what's God's will for you. So I want you to think, like, where do you need to do better? Maybe, maybe it's up. Maybe you really need to know your Bible better and to get to know Jesus better, like, through the Bible. I think what God is telling me is that I've been in a phase where I've been, like, really nerdy and, like, reading, like, small passages in the Bible and taking notes and journaling and stuff. But I think I'm getting the feeling of, like, Spending time on like a short passage is good, but also it's like, hey, you're focusing on one part of the sandwich and not the entire thing. And I think God suddenly, you know, started like listening to the Bible, like all the way through on like on audio or read the uh, book or the chapter all the way through before you get all nerdy with journaling and taking notes. Maybe it's in, like helping other Christians know Jesus. And are they helping you? Like, how is your in? I know, just to be honest, like, my in right now isn't very good. Because, to be honest, like, if, if you know anything about me and if you've been around Crossroads, a lot of people that I've been close to over the years have moved away. 
And that's been difficult for me to find other people to be in with. And I still do. I mean, it's, it's awesome, you know, trying to figure out life and faith in a community, but I know I can do better um, with my in. And lastly, out, telling others about Jesus. Like, when's the last time you talked to a coworker about, about Jesus? When's the last time you talked to someone about matters of life and faith if they're not a Christian? And I know when, as I was prepping for this talk, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, I couldn't remember the last time I talked to someone about Jesus that wasn't a Christian. And people uh, like, like me, people who are like leadership in the, in the church, like f- at least for me, like this is the one I struggle with the most because I kind of use ministry and church stuff as like a cop-out. Like I use like hanging out with the youth group kids and doing youth group stuff. Like, oh yeah, I'm telling others about Jesus. I, I'm hanging out with 16-year-olds all the time telling them about Jesus. Of course my out is good. But I can't remember the last time I talked to a coworker about Jesus. It's been a while. I take the train to work. I can't remember the last time I talked to like a stranger on the train. I can't remember when last time I talked to a family member who doesn't know Jesus. And like, that's where my out needs to get better. So where do you need to get better? Is it your up? Is it your in? Or is it your out? Or is it all three like me? What is God telling you? And what are you going to do about it? God's will for you is to love him and others. Living your life, looking up, leaning in, and reaching out. Jesus, thank you for this technology that we're able to um, gather t- together um, in this way, even though it's, it's not perfect, God. God, you work through the mess and that your grace is sufficient for us and that you can do just so many awesome things, even with everything in the world getting in the way. Father, please convict our hearts, change our hearts, and help us love you more and more every single day. Amen.